The comments within the following podcast are those of any show hosts and not representative of any company in which the show hosts may represent. Welcome to podcast number 336. It's February 1st, 2020. And I hope that you will enjoy the program as much as I have putting it together for you. The best password managers as part of a review. Do you know of any of the managers that are part of the review? And do you think that the review of LastPass was correct? I don't. Check out my first segment which will cover this in more detail. Segment lasts 14 minutes. Next, some of the biggest things that I've been posting to the blog as of late at the time that I recorded the file. A 12 minute plus segment talking about some of the articles. And of course, I continue to blog And if there's something that you would like me to cover, please feel free to get in touch. Braille Transcription Assignment 17 Report. A six minute report of that for those who are interested. I am sad to report that scammers continue to target the blind. In the fourth segment, which is 16 minutes, I talk about how scammers have now migrated to Dice World, an online gaming platform with six games. I've covered this game set on the podcast before, but scammers are targeting blind people for gift cards and money just like they have done on Twitter and other social media platforms. In a blog post that I will remind people is available, I cover some of these and also talk about one in an earlier podcast. One major article, and I cover some statistics in this podcast but want to cover it a little more in detail an article entitled 70 cybercrime statistics and i highlight some of these and recently posted that to the blog very very fascinating i haven't even read it all but read a good portion of it 12 minutes John Everest sends an email and asks what may happen in the future, especially when copper landlines are going away and what's going to happen with the fax machine and how can we possibly get what we want to stream in DVD or other format so that we can listen to it offline. You know Kobe Bryant recently died. 
and people would want to take that memory if something were to happen to the net and they couldn't go back to it. 13 minutes. Of course, my contact information is at the end of the podcast. I'll briefly cover it here. Email, iMessage, tech, T-E-C-H, at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. Text or WhatsApp, 804-442-6975. And please feel free to go to the blog so that you can read whatever interests you. Send email, comment on the blog. It's all open for you. I hope that you will enjoy the program as much as I have bringing it together to you. And let's get started now with the first segment, which will be the best password managers as part of a review. Thanks so much for listening and make it a great day. is a part of a website I had never heard of but he sent an email and I got to it right away that talked about an article that was published on the site dealing with password managers I titled the blog post a very comprehensive Password Manager Review. And the website is entitled Consumer Advocates. And I know on the blog post I called it Consumer Advocate. The blog post Best Password Manager is very comprehensive. Now, I talk about this because the topic as of late has been password management. One particular individual who will not be named indicates that they have a little bit of a hard time remembering passwords. And they like the idea of LastPass or any of these others that they might find. But with systems like LastPass, you need one master password. Now out of the list of password managers that they reviewed, Only one of them made me know who they are. Now, I do like the fact that 
There is one company in their list that offers phone support. And of course, nowadays, the internet doesn't really afford phone support. Companies want to get rid of it. I say, brace what the customer wants. And, uh, Roboform is the one that I'm familiar with, but I had no idea they had a pro plan. And I want to thank Joey for bringing this article to our attention. The article referenced that he read is a June 2019 article dealing with passwords and LastPass and Microsoft and so forth, right? So the question being, is passwords going away? So managers like LastPass and all of these others. But I don't think they're going to go away. And LastPass has been blogging about the whole ordeal of password lists. Yes, I said that slowly. Password lists. Meaning you only have one password, which would be your master password. You log in. It automatically logs you into everything. So when you need it, it's there. Here's something to ponder. Should users' passwords expire? It talks about a Microsoft policy. Now, this particular article downplayed LastPass because of their security incidents. I think LastPass has been as straightforward as humanly possible. On January 20th, they posted a blog post that goes ahead and talks about an issue that was experienced over the weekend from January 17th to January 19th. It caused some issues and errors for some users in a limited fashion. They were able to determine this, roll back those that were affected, and they're looking to figure out what caused the issue and how to address it. All of the issues that I have heard that LastPass has had has had nothing to do with actual vault problems. No manager is going to be secure. But it does do its job in regards to protecting you from the dangers of websites. These managers allow you to log into your websites and if you go to a phishing page and you ask LastPass to fill it in, 
LastPass specifically won't because it doesn't match the URL of the page you're on. And that protects you. I'm sure other password managers in that list have similar features. <coughs> in the best password manager, there are features specific to families, personal, and business. The password managers that were reviewed were Dashlane, Roboform, which has the dedicated support, Sticky Password, which has a best free option, although LastPass does offer unlimited storage and LastPass offers more than just password storage. The free option here on Sticky Password does offer biometric authentication, but so does LastPass. Others are Password Boss. which has an emergency contact, Splash ID Safe, and Bitwarden. So, Those are the ones. And of course, as I said, they touted LastPass because of their particular incidents, but nothing was so catastrophic. But one gentleman put it quite fairly, and I understand where he's coming from. He said, once breached, Never trusted. I completely understand that methodology. But I don't find anything from what I've read that indicate that LastPass is a problem and a threat. And of course, there are probably others that have not been mentioned in their coverage. And you can find the article in the blog. And I will more than likely be able to link to this post and even the weekend's last pass trouble. And even that seemed pretty minuscule to me. I don't seem to figure out what the problem is and why people are touting what I think to be a very awesome product. 
I mean, sure, I had my own issues, but people are going to have problems. Mine was because I got a new phone and I told the computer to remove everything and so it wanted to log in and because I had two-factor on it didn't know who I was. And <clears throat> I can still use the other phone although it needs to be plugged in but you know I didn't want to bother with it and so since that wasn't resolved I had emailed again and said I have this case it's not resolved I'm still having issues I need you guys to do this they asked me questions that I was able to answer to verify who I was and they disabled the two factors so that I can re-authenticate. And uh, that is what I needed so that I could get back control of what was happening. I used one of my backup codes to get back into Namecheat. I refreshed those because I turned off two-factor and re-authenticated it with my new phone and Dropbox I was able to use the app and log on to the website and disable the authentication and turn it back on to this phone so all was well and it was partially my fault because I didn't back up that data with the authenticator. And so it was partially my own doing. I don't blame the product for that. And so that is where I stand. Now I don't claim to be the expert and I don't know about every little option in detail that's why there's support teams but when you read that article I want you to be knowing what you're getting into I want you to understand what you're gonna get into <clears throat> there may be some documentation that you can read should be straightforward you know, the free LastPass normally has a you know, bit of a delay in response. Paying for it allows faster response, but, you know, I find that I hardly use the support. It would be nice to have phone. I could have solved this in five minutes over the phone. But, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal each person's going to be different and that's why I decided to take Joey's offer and post this article so that people can see what else is out there and that's why I want to start podcast 336 with this little talk in regards to passwords and managers have you used anything in the list let me know what you think.
is some of the latest news that might be of interest to you, please feel free to go ahead and move over to the technology blog by visiting the website at technology.jaredreimer.net. That's T-E-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-Y dot J-A-R-E-D-R-I-M-E-R dot net. Do you use WordPress? Are you using a particular WordPress database? This particular database is very dangerous. The plugin is going to go ahead and wipe your complete WordPress site if the attacker wants to. There's an article here talking about this vulnerability in WordPress. The name of the article is Use WordPress Database Better Update. I am curious on whether people use Chromebooks. On board 295, there was a question posted there asking about Chromebooks and whether they're useful. My response was simple. I understand that Chromebooks don't have a hard drive and that most, if not everything, is done in the cloud. Therefore, access technologies such as JAWS or NVDA cannot be installed on such a platform. I'm curious to know about any accessibility tools out there so that blind people can use Chromebooks. Trend Micro's January webinar covers their 2020 threat landscape. It will be held on January 28th, 2020, and there's a link to sign up. And if you're viewing it after the fact, when you put in your name and email address, you will be able to go ahead and get a copy of it on demand. There are plenty of articles in regards to January's Patch Tuesday. In fact, Security Now number 749 covers Brian Krebs's article, which you can find via the initial January 2020 Patch Tuesday blog post. There are several different articles here, and depending on what you're looking for, you'll want to check these out because they're going to need to patch older versions of Windows. And since Windows 7's last Patch Tuesday was January 14th, it's important if you're on that platform that you go ahead and get yourself as up-to-date as you'll currently be. Trend Micro is reporting that Google Play is much more secure than other Google stores. However, I want to let you know that there might be issues no matter where you go. What you want to do is be as careful as possible. And of course, since this particular podcast does reach the blind community, you know that we only look for specific types of apps, but our own apps could be infiltrated by mistake. I have particular ideas of what we can do. The article title that I read from the Trend Micro blog was Defend Yourself. <laughs> 
now and in the future from mobile malware. It covers Google specifically, but I'm sure there's some takeaways for us iOS users. Do you use LastPass? There's a particular vulnerability that was found, although can we really call it a vulnerability? You be the judge. They rolled out a feature and it caused login issues for some users in certain circumstances. I link to their blog post in regards to this. You decide if it's a vulnerability. I think it's an honest mistake and this can happen to anyone. Finally, another article that I want to talk about on this podcast is a very comprehensive review that was submitted by Joey from Consumer Advocates. This covers LastPass in a bad way because they're saying that because LastPass was targeted and breaches occurred that it should not be secured and trusted. Now LastPass, as you know, found a weekend issue. I don't know if it's necessarily a vulnerability, but I think it was an honest mistake. And they're saying that since it's been breached and vulnerabilities have been found, then they can't be trusted. I disagree. I think if that's the case, then we should look at the last five to ten years of breaches. We should not do business with companies such as Blue Cross, Target, and other major companies that have had breaches in the last five to ten years. Mistakes are going to happen. What you do with those mistakes is going to be the question. LastPass, in my opinion, has always been straightforward, and I don't see any reason to change. GRC's Security Now has talked about LastPass, had Joe Seacrest on the program, and of course, Joe has sent Steve the code so that Steve can vouch for its validity. I think LastPass is as secure as humanly possible. Michael in Indiana, who's been a contributor on this podcast, sent me an email which he knew already was phishing. Krebs on Security recently blogged about phishing for apples. I don't use the same article title, but in my article, I cover this in a different type of angle. Fishing for Apples, Bobbing for Links is the name of Krebs' article, and mine is entitled Fishing for Apples, Getting Different Links. And of course, this goes back to the whole Google Play iOS thing. It doesn't matter where you go. You're going to have links that are bad and can cause issues anywhere. And... On my article, I do 
have a portion of Krebs's article which is good. He has several examples of various types of links with brackets around them so they're not clickable. And what really is scary and what really brings Michael and Indiana's story to light is that while they do use the Apple domain and the Apple brand, these domains are hosted outside of the United States. More particularly, Brian Krebs is saying that what he's been able to determine in that particular story, they're Russian servers. Here's an example. My web host provider says that I can create an account called test.jaredreimer.net and it will live on my server. Be that as it may, anybody could possibly do test.jaredreimer.net and host it anywhere they want and I've got no idea. What I do know is test.jaredreimer.net does not belong to me. In fact, for illustration purposes, I'm using a domain that I would never activate unless I am doing some testing on it and then it gets deleted. This, <coughs> this is the type of thing that can happen in regards to these phishing sites now that we know that it is using Apple's domain. If nothing else, I would suggest you read this one. And in a future podcast, Michael in Indiana and I will talk about phishing and Apple if it's not this podcast. Now, in the good news category, we have a search engine I've never heard of, but it no longer exists. We leak info allowed you to search for breached information. Not anymore. The domain is closed. And of course, Equifax. One of the biggest things that we have talked about in recent years. They're going to be paying $380.5 million. My problem? It's not good enough. No amount of money is going to give you the peace of mind that you did not patch your software. And on top of that, we need to prove that we have been affected by this breach. I tell you what. Every single person who has a credit card is affected by this breach. If we file a claim saying we don't have anything to prove we're affected but you have our information, here's my credit card number or whatever information you ask for, you must pay out. People can get as much as $20,000. This is the recent set of blog posts, but please feel free to check back at any time to find more blog posts on varying types of content, including accessibility, security, or even commentary, depending on what's going on. 
I'm not linking to any of these, so you'll have to find them on the blog if you're interested. I'll continue with more of the podcast in just a moment. Welcome back to the podcast. It is Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. This is important because I'm going to go in a little bit in regards to the Braille Transcription course. So, if you are not wanting to listen to this segment, you may skip this segment by either speeding up your player or fast forwarding to see where you are and move on to the next segment. I submitted on this day the Braille Transcription course assignment number 17 and promptly got my report back within a couple of hours. That was a surprise and to my astonished surprise while I was hesitant on a couple of various items I did quite well. I'm asking for clarification on the errors but the errors are minuscule and doesn't overall break the assignment. It does change some wording around but for the most part I thought I did a pretty good job. I found it very interesting that they used single quote marks in number six when they talked about Mr. Brown as a code name. And this was quite interesting because I was under the impression that if the intent was to have it in single quotes that we should utilize them. But at the same time, I know that the course was saying that if multiple quote marks exist, it is better to use the single quote mark than it would be to use the double quote mark in cells meaning use the single cell quote mark 236 for opening and 356 for closing versus the two cell ones dot 6236 and dot 6356 or 45236 and 45356 I want more clarification on this the second error that was pretty interesting was a contraction error I think I know the word but I want clarification on this I kept reading the word questioning whether it should be contracted and since I now have the 2000 
16 edition of Braille formats, I can definitely go double check it, and I plan to do that because I think it is something that we need to clear up for future lessons. So I am definitely going to move along to the next assignment, which is quite interesting. Now, this one covers various formats, such as menus, recipes, and lists. And that's all I'm going to say about it for this podcast. I am indebted to Lynette Taylor, my mentor, for assisting me. Lynette did not give me any answers. She said, check this. This doesn't seem right. Uh, I think you should use this. And I looked at the Braille and found that indeed there were some things that needed fixing. And so one of the things that I wasn't really clear on were the single quotes, but it does make sense. The assignment was eight pages in Braille and I used the percent code method to generate the initial Braille. And so that is very important because it's another arsenal in our toolbox as blind people to utilize this type of thing. I'm not going to spend much more time on this. This will complete this file, and I will continue with more of the podcast in just a moment. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I've been contemplating this next segment and several different segments were crossing my mind. But, as I have been blogging recently, I think this is a better topic. You know, this podcast through the years has talked about all sorts of things. Braille transcription, security, things that have happened to me like the credit card hacks, all sorts of things. While the following segment isn't necessarily about me, it is about the blind community, and I feel that this is the appropriate time to do so. I will link to the blog post in question in the show notes. I am, of course, a member of Dice World. Dice World for those who are coming to the podcast for the first time, includes games like Threes, Farkle, Pig, 
Ballot and Yahtzee. The sixth game is a game called 1424. All of the games can be played both with sighted players and blind players with a level playing field as there is a visual aspect to each game. If you get the premium sound pack, you can customize each game to meet your needs by color, sounds, and other aspects. The goal here is not to talk about Dice World and its features, but something that came across my desk while playing Dice World. Recently, Dice World came out with a forum system, one called the Hangout and the other one for support. You can look at those forums and you can decide to participate or not. It intrigued my interest, so I started looking around and participating. And there's also an active players list where you can add your name and the like. But that's where the end of what Dice World is for new people ends. You can find Dice World on the iOS and Android app stores. But what I'm about to talk about goes well beyond the game of Dice World, well beyond Twitter, and definitely well beyond anything that I have ever imagined. What's that? Well, I've talked about in prior blog posts and prior podcasts about some of these scammers that seem to be milling about the internet and asking people to go to Hangouts where then they can ask them to give them $100 in iTunes cards. That's right. You've heard this story before. Now, I've got a problem. And it's time to talk about it. Because in the Hangout, which covers everything except support inquiries, although I've seen some questions posted there and they get answered there, but be that as it may, and it's not against rules to do so, but somebody was asking about potential players going around asking to chat via Hangouts and if they didn't then they would not play. Now as I've talked about in my own experience with several of these characters uh, one recently was saying that I should not meddle in their quote-unquote business and that they would stick their lawyer on me and started swearing at me 
and normally I would say such things, but since I indicated to Anchor that this is a family-friendly web podcast, I am doing my best to cut the swearing out because we can definitely say things in a better light. And so I'm going to do my best to do that. There may be times where I have no choice, but I think I can with this one. I told them, as I talked about then, to bring it on. I will be waiting for the lawyer. Of course, never happened, and I ended up blocking them from Hangouts, but all of my communication has happened through Twitter and started that way. In fact, they went so bold as to say, no money, no this, whatever this may be. And all they want from us is money. And I'm sure their talents can go to work in a work environment where it would definitely be welcomed. And as you heard one player taking their turn and inviting me to play again, that's what the game is about. And I don't mind playing against various players. I've always tried to be friendly, and if players want to, and they feel they have to, use a block feature or or a reporting feature, then so be it. That's what it's there for. I tried to be friendly with a couple of players, but now I'm not seeing anything from them. And even if I sent hugs or something, you know, just to you know, say, hey, if they didn't like that, they could tell me, you know, that's different. But these particular scammers are now coming on Dice World and trying to get the blind community to send them money and gift cards. And this is where I have a problem. They tried it with me, and I'm pretty smart. I don't claim to know it all, and I'm sure there are things in this world that I don't understand because of my not being involved in them and the fact that I don't talk about a whole lot anyhow. And I'm sure that other people are the same way. But I am sure not going to go ahead and get myself involved with somebody who doesn't want to call me, but yet they want a relationship and they want money. I'm sorry. This doesn't work for me. And the fact that they are now targeting the blind community on a gaming platform bothers me. As I wrote in my blog post, I'm sure that these people can get involved in work to use these skills to raise money for any company they want. 
we all know that there are books out there and I've talked about these books on my blog where they indicate what they want the money is going to be used to buy things on Apple and they're not going to be used to get them out to see you and after they get that money they know they can either ask for more or they'll leave you alone now I would be out $200 if I were to do this because I'm confident that I would not see them and one went so far as to ask me for my address I could have provided it they could have shown up and they could be turned away because I could tell them they've never called me I didn't know when they were coming and they're not welcome here I don't think they'll show up anyway they just want to get as much personal information as possible and the fact that the blind community is now being targeted through a gaming site which is supposed to be used to play games chat with players and hang out and get away from the stresses of life we now have to worry about people who are wanting money from a community that cannot pay some might but most of us cannot that's my problem and I am very happy that the developer of Dice World wants to hear about these types of players and I encourage you to email the developer give them the username of the player that is asking for such things and I'm sure that they will be taken care of accordingly it definitely saddens me that we have to continue to work on making sure that we're as safe as possible this type of thing happens all over the internet I'm sure I'm sure it happens on Facebook and other social media platforms too but the thing with email and of course services like Hangouts and Dice World is that you don't need to go by your real name now Google does require a phone number for authentication if you use it but they don't really need to have it nowadays and of course Dice World asks for your email address and it's only used for resetting your password and uh, potentially other aspects of gameplay but 
for the most part they don't communicate with us through email now Facebook has a real name policy and so if people are going about it they're using an alias name an alias full name and that of course could be a problem too but my goal here is to talk about what's going on on Dice World because it's sad I can't believe what type of things I'm seeing being discussed on the forums somebody was even saying you know if you're not feeling good this could be a remedy and it's all well and good and I was like well I'm not getting anything and of course I was just you know joking around I'm not trying to get anything on on these things but you know the fact is is that people are going to be out there on all sorts of sites and places and they will be able to get their wares out and that is what they are doing here and so my curiosity is this in this podcast community of people who follow me on the podcast I'm going to ask you a question have you seen this in any other medium that you think we need to be aware of and talk about I would appreciate hearing from you because I think this is something that we need to expose especially since technology is being used to go ahead and contact people from all around the world I hope that this finds you of well and of course thanks so much for listening to this podcast welcome back to the podcast everybody on a different podcast we're going to cover not in a whole lot of detail but a very interesting article that was sent to me by a contributor that I have added to the blog Mary it has a lot of very interesting information and I blogged this and the article is entitled more than 70 cybercrime statistics soon to be a six billion dollar problem actually I wish it was billion I accidentally misread it but whether 
you believe that it's six billion dollars or six a trillion dollars which the article says is going to be a six trillion dollar problem you are going to sit there and whistle right I mean I I initially got the email and of course I had been in the midst of some things so this podcast has been delayed a little bit not too much though but I finally got a chance to read a good portion of this I got to like item 30 and uh it is it is very very fascinating it's full of numbers and I wanted to cover this in a little more detail for this podcast I will talk about what sections there are in it and in another podcast I will talk about some of the big highlights so, the items include money in the world of cybercrime, botnet statistics, data be- breach statistics, phishing statistics, ransomware statistics, cybercrime by operating system, sextortion stats and within those there are numerous numbered items and of course this article has 71 of these I'm not going to cover every single one because it is very extensive and would take a very long time. This is a very fantastic report. The first item under the item dealing with money and cybercrime, the price of a malware installation kit is only a dollar under botnet they define what a botnet is for those who do not know and number 16 in this list indicates that the United States has the most number of botnet servers in the world And in number 16, there are other types of items which I'll quickly cover, but there's plenty more, and this is just a sample. Under this item, we have Yahoo with the most amount with 3 billion 
Marriott, 500 million. Yahoo again with 500 million. Adult Friend Finder, 412 million. MySpace, 360 million. Under Armour, 150 million. Equifax is seventh at 145.5 million. eBay, 145 million. Target at 110 million. And Heartland Payment Systems, 100 million. So this is basically things we've covered before and it talks in each section about numbers and other aspects and they define CNC server Russia is second and the Netherlands is third. And this table that I just read from as an example of what this article covers is how many accounts were hacked. Now, there's other aspects of this that are very interesting. They have cybercrime stats by country. They've got sextortion coverage, which I haven't read yet, and a lot more. And I think in a future podcast, I want to talk about some of this in a little more detail. But I want to bring it up on this podcast so that people are aware that this type of information is available. And the biggest number that jumps out at me right now was under the data breach stats category. Number 19's heading says that 33 billion accounts will be owned by this time. So by 2023, 33 billion accounts. So number 20 is the top 10 breaches. 
So this is very, very rich. I'm not going to spend any more time on it right now. But this is something I really want to spend some time on and give you some info and my thoughts. So, feel free to go ahead and check out this article. And I definitely thank Mary for bringing this article to our attention in the month of January. I will leave you with one more stat. Under fishing stats, number 54. Business in the financial industry get targeted by phishing attacks the most. 29% of all attacks and that is very very interesting. So, feel free to check this article out. And I'll leave you with one more stat. Number 40 starts the sextortion aspect of things, and they defined sextortion. Two-thirds of the victims are girls under the age of 16. And when, compl when compliance is met, 68% of cases. And when they comply, the threats will become more frequent. So, uh, consumers in cybercrime business cybercrime and miscellaneous computer crime stats are more items. So let's start talking and let's see how we can do something about these numbers. Sean Everest sent a very interesting email to me as of late, and I thought instead of sending him back an email, I would tackle this email and open it up for discussion via voice. If you would like to submit audio, you can use WeTransfer 
and send your files to me by email by sending them to tech, that's T-E-C-H, at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. In regards to two-step verification, Sean wants to look into it. You are not charged for two-step verification. If you use SMS, you are charged for the message. The site can't charge you, so your carrier will charge you for that. If you do it via app, you can use apps like LastPass Authenticator, Google Authenticator, and Authy. They disseminate six-digit codes which change every 30 seconds. What you use is going to be up to you. And I would be interested to find out what you end up using. I can tell you that LastPass Authenticator is accessible. I use it myself. I'm not familiar with others. The first topic that he wants to bring up is the fact that fiber will eventually go away if it hasn't already. When I moved from my old location to where I am now, I do not have a landline in place. Somebody who actually came up here to complain at one point said that I needed a landline and I needed this and I needed that but I don't have the money to pay for it and it was paid for me already. The mobile side of things are being paid for so I don't have to pay for it even though I would be willing to do so if needed. So since fiber will be going away What's going to happen to fax machines? Well, there are many different types of services out there. One of them is OneBox, which is a toll-free uh, system that allows you to pay for 2,000 minutes at $30, and you get voice, fax, and conferencing. I had utilized it, but I no longer do. Other services include eFax, and there may be others that I'm unaware of. eFax does have a free service. I do have an account, but I haven't used it as of late, and I remember having my number somewhere written down. So if I absolutely need something faxed or I need to fax something, then that is how I will do it. So we know that email isn't as secure, but we are now using SSL over email. When you set up email, especially in an email client, you are going through a secure server, ports 445 and 993. The faxes actually come in as an attachment. 
and you could set it up as a PDF or a GIF. The PDFs would work better for us, especially if you're using JAWS. When opening it and it detects that it's an image, its OCR portion of JAWS will go ahead and ask if you want it recognized. When you say yes, the OCR process will happen and you are going to have text that appears in a window off-site of the file. The second particular aspect of Sean's email talks about video stores and the fact that they are basically declining because of streaming services. We all know the internet has been shut off in some countries as demonstrated by governments of those particular countries in place. What's going to happen if we want to stream our favorite show somewhere and you can't? Sean thinks that we should be able to buy a DVD or other equivalent so that we could watch it especially if we have already bought into it. I don't know if DVDs are going to be around for long. Maybe they'll be around for the short term, but at some point, like any other technology, it'll more than likely die and online will be the way to go. My personal opinion is that it's going to be hard to tell at this point. So for now, I'd say, let's see what happens. Here's what he says. Let's say as digital music and CDs. If you lost the net, he won't be able to listen to his digital stuff. If he's away and wants music, he has to take a device that has it on it. The question would be, what if he wants to use an old disc? If you want a physical disc, you can, but the question is, are DVDs done for? What do you and others think will happen for videos, videos, DVDs, and streaming? You can currently still buy DVDs, but rental stores are slowly disappearing, so you can't rent anymore. If you really want it, you've got to buy it at places. He's thinking, thinking that you should be allowed to buy if you stream something on Netflix and you like it, you should be able to buy it and 
put it on DVD or buy it on DVD and even have box set content that isn't available for streaming. You could even buy it and they can ship you the DVD themselves. So, this is a very interesting topic set. And it is definitely something that we should be thinking about. Now, since I've moved, I don't have any CDs here. I don't have a stereo here. All of the stuff here is electronic. My Google, my Sonos, the thermostat, even the door lock is all electronic, controlled by apps and things. And if the power were to go out, my lock still could be of value because I've got a key for the lock for that very reason. And you know that since I do an independent artist show and even a spotlight show, that these particular shows are streamed over the net and downloaded through RSS and listened to through streaming services like Mixcloud. Now, if that went away, surely I can't send these files on DVDs because I don't currently have them or the means to ship them to you. But it does seem to be a very interesting dilemma. And it is an interesting thought of what could happen in the not-too-distant future. What about all those videos that went up in memorial of Kobe Bryant, who sadly passed away on Sunday, January, I believe it was 24th, if I got the date right. I don't think I have the date correct, but it was last Sunday from the date of this. Today is February first so the sunday prior to february 1st he died and tributes went up and teams in the basketball league did 24 second shot clock violations and 8 second shot clock vi- uh, uh violations not shot clock violations but backcourt violations in honor of his memory. And while the game that I last listened to was the Laker game where they had a beautiful tribute and my goal is not to play that on this podcast, the videos are up. And if people want them, they're going to have to find some way to extract the video and then make it in their own DVD or audio in MP3. This is a very interesting topic, and I am curious on what you think will happen. Just to get the date correct, hey Google, 
What was the date last Sunday? It is Sunday, the 19th of January, 2020. No, that's not right. Hey, Google, what's the date last Sunday? It is Sunday, the 26th of January, 2020. Oh, that's right. That's more right. I, I said the 24th, but that, that would have been the Friday. So that sounds more about right. So he died on the 26th of January. I'm correcting the record straight. And, you know, it's a sad time for a lot of people in Los Angeles and around the world. But the videos are here now. And these questions do make sense now how to get this type of thing for you to preserve a memory like that or anything else that you watch I'm gonna end this here and your thoughts are welcome This will complete this podcast, everybody. Email, iMessage, tech, that's T-E-C-H, at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. Text or WhatsApp, 804-442-6975. And as I said, in a future podcast, I really want to dive into some of these items in the article that I was talking about with 70 different cybercrime stats. I'm not going to cover them all, and I covered a few today in this podcast, but we're going to take a deeper dive into some of these. I think I want to actually do a section that we don't talk enough about, and that will be the sextortion aspect of this report instead of covering a lot of the others which I've covered a little bit of in this podcast it'll make it more interesting and definitely something that could be of value to some listeners who don't know much about what this is I'm also going to go ahead in future podcasts as well and play you the webinar that I listened to that I couldn't listen to live with the 2020 predictions webinar that Trend Micro posted and of course I still have the December webinar which I thought would be of value too so more great content coming up in future podcasts and don't forget that we also still have the tutorial of Braille 2000, the talking edition to do. Braille 2000 and future assignments, including assignment 18, which I'll be starting soon. And if you have something like Sean did, please send me an email so I may consider what you have to say for a future podcast. 
And until then, thanks so much for listening.